Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to the Weekly Walkthrough here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. I'm your host, Nick Callen, alongside me, Ethan Salm. Ethan, how are you doing this morning? I'm having a great morning, Nick. I'm just happy to be here in the studio with you on this beautiful Sunday here in mid-October. Oh, yeah. And, you know, first question I'll ask you today, should I play Michael Thomas this week in fantasy football? They have a bye week next week, the Saints. What's his injury designation? Questionable. Who are they playing this week? They're playing Monday night. That's what I do know. So they're playing the Chargers? Yes, they're playing Yeah, AFC West Chargers. Yep. That is correct. They are the night game, which we will get into Who more Who are later. your other options? My other options, I got Sammy Watkins in right now. I have Calvin Ridley in, obviously. And I, I think that's... I'd, I'd put Michael Thomas in instead of Sammy Watkins. Okay, we'll have to make the switch. We'll have to make the switch. But let's get into it. We're going to first discuss the Missouri Tigers. Missouri defeated the number 17 LSU Tigers yesterday at their 11 o'clock game. And what did you take away most from Missouri's upset? Well, and I mean, this is gonna this is gonna come off this is gonna come off a little rough, but. I, I don't think LSU is that good of a football team. That's kind of what I took away from from last night. I don't think that after – I mean, I don't think that they really – obviously they won't be ranked after this week. And I think that, you know, them giving up all those yards and touchdowns to Mississippi State week one and then us seeing just how good Mississippi State has been after losing to Arkansas and Kentucky. Uh, I, I just don't think that LSU is everything that they were cracked up to be at the beginning of the season. And – and of course, it's a huge win for for the Mizzou Tigers, and it's I'm very happy to uh, to see them defeat LSU. But I think that people might be taking this higher than it actually is. Oh, 100 percent. Because when you do look at the LSU team, they obviously regressed heavily, losing their Heisman Trophy winner Joe Burrow, also losing their offensive play caller and Joe Brady, who in my opinion, is the sole reason, or not the sole reason, but one of the larger reasons that the offense was what it was. Losing Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and all the other, Justin Jefferson as well to the Vikings. And, yeah, you know, this is starting to show. They're now 1-2 this year, their worst start since 94. And, you know, I was also, to go back on the Missouri Tigers, I was very impressed with their play calling. It looked like they wanted to switch things up. They weren't afraid to go after DBU, as they like to call themselves, but they don't look like DBU. I understand that. But despite LSU, they still have more talent than Missouri does, especially in this moment in time. They are much more developed and situated for their style of offense. Missouri, they have this whole new coaching staff in, and they found a way to upset a more talented and you know, more successful program, and it's it is a, an important win for them. Oh, you know, it's a huge win, and it's a it's a huge first win for Eli Drinkwitz. And you know, he gets his first win at Mizzou. He gets his first win over a top twenty five program at Mizzou, and and you know, I think that the one thing to take away from it, obviously, if if you're the Mizzou Tigers, is just hold on to the football. <laughs> You know, five, putting the ball on the ground five times. Granted, they only lost, I think, three of the five that they they put on the ground. But you got to find someone that can catch a punt, and you got to find someone that will. Uh, that and you just got to keep holding on to the football. Granted, you know the Larry Roundtree fumble was a bit of an interesting call. He, he might have been down before that fumble came out. You know, there's some controversy over that one, but uh, 
but no, that's that's really the big thing, I think, is just the working on the fumbles. Other than that, you know, this is not the most talented roster, but when you look at the defense, the defense hits hard. The defense hits really hard. The safeties hit hard. Nick Bolton hits hard. We saw that yesterday. It made a difference. Made a difference. Miles Brennan getting hit over and over and over again made a difference in this in this football game. Yeah, especially on that right side, Pylon, when he was going for the end zone, then got just destroyed. Exactly. And if you get hit like that over and over and over again, like and we saw, you know, he stood in there and took some hits. You know, he delivered some balls that, you know, Nick Bolton laid him out immediately after he 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 released the football. And and that mentally, even not even physically, that mentally will take a toll on you. You don't want to keep getting hit like that. So that kind of made him play a little bit safer throughout the game and I and had a big influence on this on this football game. I think it it made the Mizzou defense stronger by just showing how hard they're willing to hit people. Yeah, the Mizzou defense definitely made made some big plays. And in the first half, especially when they did get stops, the Missouri special teams and offense, you know, fumbling the ball, like we said, Larry Roundtree having that fumble, and then the Missouri special teams having that fumble that for two of their stops, they got negated by nearly direct turnovers. So something to think about. But and to the- talk positively on the offense, Connor Bazelak. That man showed out yesterday. They found their quarterback. Yeah. And yeah, I think the three storylines for this game, fumbles, as we just said, uh, Connor Basilic, as you were just alluding to, and third down defense. LSU went 0 for 10 on third down in this football game yesterday. So the third down defense, those are, I think, your three biggest takeaways from this game if you're Mizzou. You got Connor Basilic, he should start. I know they said something about Sean Robinson maybe being a little banged up uh, yesterday, and that's why he didn't play as much. Don't think he needs to play as much. I think Connor Basilic is what this program needs at the moment. Uh, I think, obviously, you saw that they were missing their top three wide receivers yesterday, the Mizzou Tigers were, but the drops were way down from against Tennessee because drops were a big problem against Tennessee. And these, you know, backup wide receivers and freshman wide receivers and, you know, quarterbacks that are playing wide receiver and that kind of stuff didn't drop the football. And and that was huge. And that made Connor Basilek, he had 15 straight completions at one point in time during this game. He only missed, what, eight passes or something five, like that? Five passes, 29 for 34. Yeah, and he passed for over 400 yards. So a lot of that is on Connor Basilek for putting the ball in the right spot, but a lot of it is on the wide receivers as well and tight ends for, for making the plays that they didn't make against Tennessee. Another thing that's important to note from this upset is that Mizzou, like we've talked about with the turnovers, did not play perfect, but did enough to win the game. And that goal line stand they had with fifty sec- less than 50 seconds to go, stopping them four straight times on the goal line, that was incredible. I mean, and as we said, 0 for 10 on third down, but Mizzou's opponents before that fourth down that they had, that they stopped, you know, LSU under 30 seconds. Mizzou's opponents for the season on fourth down were converting 100% of the time. That was the first fourth down stop of the season. Of course, it comes at the biggest moment. Yeah, incredible, incredible stand by the defense in a moment that felt, you know, utterly familiar, especially with the Kentucky lost a few years back. And a great win for the program. Drankwitz having the new tradition as well with lighting lighting Jesse Hall golden. Did you end up seeing that? yes. After each Drinkwitz win, they're going to light up the the Jesse Dome yellow gold uh, at night after those games. So that's a nice little tradition that they've got going on now. So obviously on Saturday night, if you aren't following Mizzou football, but you're looking around campus, if the Dome is yellow, that's always a good sign. 
But yeah, no, this was just this was just a great this was just a great game. And obviously cutting down on the turnovers and I mean Mizzou showed that they can they can make some noise. They can make some noise. It's not like win the SEC division noise, like that kind of stuff. It's not it's not, you know, top twenty five noise, but it's you know, watch out, you know, this this we could be a trap game on some teams on some teams' schedules, you know, coming up here. Because, you know, Georgia, Florida all have, you know, very heavy conference schedules, as everybody does. But, you know, with all those ranked teams coming in and playing all those ranked teams, it's just something to watch out for. Mizzou can and has showed that they will pull an upset at some point. Oh, yeah, they've been able to. And we've seen it throughout history for Mizzou. They've been able to beat teams like Georgia, the Tennessees, the Floridas, you know, these teams that do recruit very well, especially compared to Mizzou, Mizzou does not get these recruits. They don't pay as much, spend as much money in any of their, you know, athletic programs, more specifically football. And it's it's really good to see them being able to still compete despite, you know, lack of coaching experience, lack of, you know, personnel that is for that coaching, you know, coaching play style. And it, it's... It's a nice twist to see, you know, Connor Bazelak doing that because that is not what I expected. I did not expect him to throw, you know, 29 for 34. That's an absurd number. Nobody did. Nobody expected that completion percentage from the redshirt freshman. So I'm interested to see if if uh, if Drinkwitz wants to keep him around. I mean, it's looking like the two work pretty well together. And I was talking with Columbia, Missouri and football reporter Max Baker last night. Did you know that this season there is no eligibility you don't lose a year of eligibility for this year, apparently. Oh, wow. So as a redshirt freshman this year, Connor Bazelik can technically also be a redshirt freshman next year. That's scary when you think about that. I just think it's crazy. I didn't even realize that that was what was happening in college football this year. So he's already – this is his second year, which could still be considered his first but year. Think about it, but think about it. Apply, it applies all over the place. You know, Trevor Lawrence is still – he could have an extra year if he wanted to stay theoretically. You know, this goes all over the place. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's an interesting way to think about it. But Bazelak did play last season. He He's played playing this He year. played one game, but he did redshirt, and he tore his ACL in that game. Yes. I th- I feel like he played more than one. Like, he definitely got He might have gotten a more. few snaps, and but not enough to lose a redshirt, of course. No, no. He So he plays a little bit his freshman year. He then, should have the starting job his redshirt freshman year, <laughs> his sophomore year. Yes, and so he's playing this year for sure. And then his third year he's going in, which is going to also be considered his first year. We're talking about a lot of experience for someone who's still considered a freshman oh, absolutely. eligibility. That's, yeah. That's just that's just an interesting way. This and is just something to look at for for the future. This is this is a good thing. This is a good thing. This is absolutely a good thing. You think it's a good thing? If we're looking at it from the Mizzou quarterback perspective, absolutely. Oh well, well, yeah, of course. I didn't know if we were talking like across I don't, the board. I don't mind people having an extra year of eligibility across the board. I was going to say I'm okay with it. I, I enjoy watching college football. I enjoy watching these guys ball out in college on Saturdays. So I mean, I, I think it'll be good. Okay, and then moving on, we had the Red River Showdown. You watched this game certainly more than I did. I didn't watch much of this game. So what did you take away from this year's Red River Showdown? Always a fun game. 
It was once again a 10 out of 10 performance from Fox Sports announcer Gus Johnson. Some memorable calls in this one, some fun calls. Uh, I recommend going back, looking at some of the highlights of this game, just to hear what Gus Johnson has to say at some of the key moments. It's, well, other than Gus it's a Johnson, good time. Uh, what this, did we think of the game? This game, of course... <laughs> This game, of course, went into four overtimes. It included Spencer Rattler getting benched in the second quarter, sat down, and then he did come out to start the second half, but he did not play most of the second quarter due to Lincoln Riley sitting him down. Uh, it It was a good game for him once he came back. You know, three touchdowns, one interception, 209 yards on the day. Uh, they got a lot of help from their running back, TJ Pledger, you know, 131 yards, two tighties on the ground. Uh, on the other side, Sam Ellinger looked good. Sam Ellinger looked good. He he ran the ball for 112 yards and four touchdowns. He had four rushing touchdowns. I saw the, I saw the highlights, especially in overtime. It looked like he was uh, he was and then running well. And then he does what Sam Ellinger always seems to do in these games against Oklahoma, and he turned the ball over, and it cost him a game. I wouldn't say this game's on Sam Ellinger though. Defense gave up 53 points. Yes, but that that's I mean, that's pretty typical of the Big Twelve. It is typical, but I was gonna say they knew my, they were gonna have to put up points. He threw a pick in overtime. Of course, but if you had to label someone at fault for this game, I don't think you can point your the finger towards Sam Ellinger and be like, Oh yeah, Sam, you definitely could have played better. The man accounted for six touchdowns. Along uh, with that, along with that, he put up forty five points. You could put it on you could put it on either one of the kickers. You could say both of them went one for two on on uh, field goals. Game should have been over. <laughs> you, I mean, you could put it on the kicker, but I just don't know if it's fair to put it on Sam Ellinger, especially when the defense is, you know, playing as bad as as they do in the Big Twelve. Especially the biggest problem many of these Big Twelve teams usually have, especially when competing against each other, is just who has the worst defense. And we have seen Oklahoma just have a slightly better defense, but it doesn't and not good defense, but a slightly yeah, better a, defense. Yeah, I think that's I think it's well put. But yeah, great, great game, all time game, four overtime game. Oh, so much fun to watch. Didn't didn't expect it to keep going. Didn't expect it to get all the way to four overtimes, but it did. And and it was a good one. It got there one way or another. It did. And then in other news, we have the Florida Gators getting upset by the Texas A&M Aggies. Jimbo Fisher finally looking for that big signature win at Texas A&M. He gets it over number, uh, what number is? Number I think four. Florida was number, number four, four, yeah. Number four, Florida, as they do kick a field goal as time expires to take that 141-38. Kellen Mond, good day. You know, I've always liked Kellen Mond. He has a lot of, a lot of you know, bright spots and a lot of dark spots. You know, he fades away sometimes in big moments, but today, but yesterday he stepped up and he stepped up and they were also helped by Isaiah Spiller, their running back for, you know, 27 carries, 175 yards, two touchdowns. That'll always yeah. help. Yeah, <laughs> it, it does help. But this game was a shootout and the score shows that. And, you know, especially in the first half, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, everybody's scoring touchdowns. Uh, you know, if you look at, if you look at the, uh, the box score for this one, you know, it was... 21-17 at the half, and, you know, everybody scored a bunch in the second half, too, so. Yeah, no, high-scoring games across the board in college football. It's fun yesterday. stuff. It was good stuff. Kyle Trask had a great day. Kellen Mond obviously balled out. Almost every quarterback seemed like they had a pretty good day yesterday. 
Yeah, I can't disagree with that one. I say I can't disagree with that one. But your performance of the day for college football yesterday, I'd have to say it was Najee Harris, the running back for the University of Alabama. 23 carries, 206 yards, and five touchdowns for the young man out of Alabama. Five touchdowns, it's incredible. It's a feat only held by, I think, three people ever in the history of college football. So Yeah, I forget. It's Najee Harris, Sean Alexander, and I forget the last one. Yeah, and just an incredible performance from him and definitely puts him, if we are going to give out a Heisman Trophy, definitely has to put that as the best moment and best performance from a singular game in this season. And with those 23 carries and 206 rushing yards, he also added three carries for 42 receiving yards, which puts him up at almost 250 yards alone by himself on offense. No, and he's been producing for Alabama for a long time in a very competitive running back uh, room. I mean, that's that's a tough place to play running back at. We've seen Alvin Kamara couldn't even really get the touches he wanted there, and that's Alvin Kamara. It is, and... Uh, It's also time that we start talking a little bit more about Mac Jones and what he has been able to do. You look at him last night, 28 for 32 for 417 yards and two touchdowns. He got carried by his running back. I don't care. He still passed for 400 yards and only had four incompletions. I don't. That's one incompletion for every 100 yards he passes for. Okay. Okay, who cares? He has the best team in the country with him. He's an A.J. McCarron wannabe. Wow. That's all he is. Wow. That's all he is. Come on. You think he's that good? You really think he's that good? Mac Jones. He is the second best QBR in college football this year. He's also got the most talented team by far this year, and he's played bad teams. We'll see how they play against Georgia. I don't we think will. they beat Georgia. Georgia's going to – you're starting to see the tide, sw- tide swing, if you will, and it's going toward Athens, Georgia. Okay. You think you think Alabama beats Georgia? Yes. No. There's, yes. I don't think they beat Georgia. Georgia's too good. Where's the game being played? Bryant Denny. Oh, they gotta beat him. It's in, in T-town. Po- I'm not scared of T-town. Okay. Sh- Alabama. They did not have a good year. They're now. They could they win that game? Of course they can. But. Georgia, we've definitely seen them starting to recruit a lot better, produce a lot better. Kirby Smart has been, you know, inches close of beating Bama so many times. I see them getting it done next week. I really do. Okay. Okay. All right, go ahead. Let's go. I was going to say, I, I think Alabama's going to win that game. But why do you think that? Because they're putting up 560 yards a game, <laughs> and they have – as we said, they have Najee Harris, they have Jalen Waddell, they have good receivers, they have a good defense. I'm not sure if their defense is better than Georgia's, but they have the better offensive players by far. I don't know if I'd say by far. I mean, Georgia has good running backs too. Kendall Milton's good. They have one man, Jermaine Burton, who had one rush attempt for 43 yards. I mean, Georgia, they, they have a great defense too. That's that's where I think Georgia thrives at most is on the yeah. defensive side. Georgia, of course, only allowing 235 yards per game, and this Alabama team, you know, averaging 560 yards per game. So it's it's some something's got to break. <laughs> well, and Mac Jones, I I mean, like he's he's good. Don't get me wrong, but he's not like Tua good. He's not. I don't think he's. 
I don't think he's going to light up against Georgia. I'm just saying you're looking at I mean Georgia, they've played some good teams so far. They've they've beaten some good teams so far, but when you look at what's going on, it's just look at the the passing comparison for the Georgia quarterback Stetson Bennett and the the Alabama quarterback Mac Jones. Mac Jones has thrown one less pass than Stetson Bennett and he's passed for, you know, Almost 500 more yards. Receiving-wise, the Bama's much better. I will say that. Bama, over the last decade, has been incredible with recruiting receivers. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting because, yeah, because, you know, just, just for along the lines of, you know, Alabama scoring 51 points a game on average, Georgia allowing 12 points a game on average. It's a fun, yeah, it's <laughs> a fun matchup, and we will see how those, I mean, that's certainly the matchup is the Georgia defense and to see if they can stop Jalen Waddell. We could go. Harrison. Tickets as low as $312. Wow. <laughs> but you know what, we'll go, we will go to a break. You are listening to the Weekly Walkthrough here on KCOU, and we will be right back. Missouri Tigers football and men's and women's basketball on KCOU 88.1 FM and KCOU Sports is brought to you by El Rancho. Located at 1014 East Broadway, El Rancho provides themselves in serving up fresh and authentic Mexican food. To look at their menu and learn more, go to www.columbiamomexicanfood.com. Thank you, El Rancho, for supporting KCOU 88.1 FM, the student voice of the Missouri Tigers. Hi, we are peers from the Sexual Health Advocacy Peer Educator Program, SHAPE, at Mizzou. We are stronger than ever this year. To refresh your memory, we provide a variety of services centered around sexual health education to faculty, students, and staff on Mizzou's campus as well as the Columbia area. We provide free barrier contraception methods across campus in residence halls, the Women's Center, and the Student Health Center. We provide sexual health educational programs to organizations on campus. We put on events throughout the year, such as Sextacular and Get Yourself Tested. Welcome back to the weekly walkthrough here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. It's 11.22 a.m. here on Sunday, October 11th. We'd like to thank you for listening to KCOU. We're now just getting in. We just finished our college football segment. We're going to get into a little bit of MLB playoff talk. The ALCS and NLCS, you know, starting up here very shortly in the next couple of days. Uh, And where would you like to start, AL or NL? We can start in the AL. I believe we started on the AL last time. The American League Championship Series between the number one seed Tampa Bay Rays and the uh, West Division winner Houston Astros. Uh, Houston only losing one game so far this postseason. Uh, And and Tampa has lost, of course, they went to Game 5 against the Yankees, winning it on an awesome Mike Russo homer in the eighth off of Aroldis Chapman and a very high, you know, energy win for them there. So... What do you think happens between the Rays and the Astros on the American League side? I mean, well, first, I was shocked the Yankees did not beat the Rays, personally. But that's just because I'm also a casual watcher, and I know the Yankees have, you know, the most talent in baseball, probably other than the Dodgers. But with the Rays, truthfully, don't know much. Don't don't know much about them. I der- certainly would need your... Pitching. Pitching, pitching, pitching. And the main thing you need to know... The entire Rays team's payroll is less than Garrett Cole's contract. That's incredible. So Garrett Con- Garrett Cole obviously on that three hundred twenty-four million contract. I think the entire Rays 
payroll right now is 311 million. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Definitely definitely will be rooting over the A's over the asterisks. I mean, I and if they do have great pitching, I would certainly think Tampa Bay would be able to shut out, you know, the Jose Altuve bat that is not that did not do well in the regular season. But have but you seen him in the postseason? The Astros look good in the postseason. It's they have absolutely found a second gear to put it into but, here in the postseason. But we also might see. We could also certainly see a situation where the bats go cold, especially when they go up against good, good pitching. But I would certainly favor good hitting and streaky hitting it's tough to know when it'll end but they're looking good right now obviously being the alcs what do you expect to happen i'm i'm thinking tampa bay will win this series uh i thought the last series going into them and the yankees it was a toss-up because we saw them play a bunch in the regular season we saw the rays win that division in the regular season so i thought it was a toss-up uh but i i feel much more confident about the rays in in this one I would have to agree. I mean, in the Astros, you know, karma does come back eventually. I don't see them winning the pennant after on their uh, – that would really suck on the revenge – or not even the revenge tour, but the – what's that Twitter account? The Astro Shame Tour, right? Isn't that yes. what it's called, the Shame Tour? It'd be – it'd really suck if the Shame Tour, you know, ended with them at least having a pennant. Yeah. Um, but, yes, I, I think that – I think that at this point in time – and this might be an unpopular opinion, but I think at this point in time, good pitching beats good hitting. Really? Yes. I think that good pitching beats good hitting. Okay. I think you've seen it a lot this season that good pitching can beat good hitting. And you've seen it a lot in, in the playoffs, especially, you know, with, I mean, the Yankees were outscoring people, but you saw the Rays, good pitching. You saw that the, uh, you saw people like the Marlins, win with good pitching you've seen the Braves who've given up like two runs this postseason in the NLCS now good pitching unless you're playing an extremely high powered offense which I don't think I mean the Astros have a good offense I don't think they're extremely high powered I don't think they're you know a San Diego level offense I don't think they're a New York Yankees level offense uh that I think good pitching will be good hitting and I think that's why the Rays will make it to the World Series the Rays make it to the World Series. I will agree with you. To the National League. Yes, sir. The Los Angeles Dodgers have not lost a playoff game this season, and neither have the Atlanta Braves. One of them is going to have to lose at some point, and we make it to the National League Championship Series where those two are uh, matching up. Someone's O has got to go Yeah, in for this. real this time. <laughs> and... I would have to say the Dodgers are going... I mean, they're definitely... They certainly have to be the... The big favorite to win this series, correct? I'm not sure how big of a favorite they are, but they are definitely favored. Yes. I mean, I mean, they have you know Mookie Betts, Clayton Kershaw. It's going to be interesting to see how he performs. We're now at the point in the postseason where he is notoriously crumbled. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can keep it together. Also, it's going to be interesting because I still think now we're in a seven-game series, but I think we're at the point in time where we still don't have any rest days. I think they're still playing seven games in seven days. That's interesting. That's an interesting way to do it. So it's going to be interesting to see how... I feel like like the, the Braves, you know, starting pitching might do them a lot of favors in this series. Because they've got some great starting pitchers, Ian Anderson, Max Fried, obviously going up against Walker Bueller and and Clayton Kershaw, but but I feel like I feel like that 
This is tough. This is really tough. Who are we picking, man? We this is really somebody. tough. I got to I mean, I got to take I got to take the Dodgers. I have to. You know, I have to take the Dodgers, but I'd really love to see the Braves win this series. I really would. Braves got some good offensive talent. Marcelo Zuna, one of the best hitters in the National League this year. They've got a good bullpen. It, I mean, it's going to be fun, but I think after coming off, I think they've beaten, the Dodgers have beaten the better teams so far in the postseason. So watching them, you know, shut down San Diego a little bit, it's got to be concerning because... The Braves were the Braves were effectively shut down by the Reds in the first round. They won both of those games, of course, but they won them based on walk-offs, late-inning home runs, that kind of stuff. The Reds didn't even score a run. No, the Reds didn't score a run. And you know, the Braves won the first game one nothing, and then exploded in the ninth inning to win the the, the second game five nothing. I think it was. But if you're the Dodgers, the Dodgers just don't get shut out by anyone. So. So I don't know. I think I'm going with the Dodgers in this one. Dodgers and Rays. I think that's, I mean, of course, that's both one seeds making the World Series, which is no fun. But I think I'm taking the Dodgers, although it would be incredibly interesting to see what happens if the Astros and the Dodgers made the World Series to play against each other. That would be fun, and it is a real possibility. But I would, I'm going to say the Atlanta Braves are going to win this series. Interesting. Do you have a reason? Mm, I do like Acuna. He's he's nice. But... I mean, anything's possible. Something crazy has got to happen. I could certainly see the Astros being the ones to pull off that crazy, especially against the Rays. But yeah, I'll take I'll take Atlanta just to be just to be different. And if I get it right, then I can be like, oh, I you know know more about baseball. Of course, not the case. But yeah, certainly, certainly uh, getting winding down with both the MLB and uh, NBA. It's a it's a weird scene. Speaking of the NBA, shall we? Yes, sir. Uh, the NBA Finals tips off again tonight. Game six of the NBA Finals with the Los Angeles Lakers holding a 3-2 lead in this series. Uh, LeBron James being outdueled by Jimmy Butler in game five to force game six tonight. And uh, what do you think of this series going forward? We've had a lot of talk about it. We know that Anthony Davis is banged up. We know that... LeBron James can't get his teammates to help him besides Anthony Davis and Contavious Caldwell-Pope right now. We know the Heat are playing exceptionally good basketball with Jimmy Butler, uh, and he's getting contributions. Duncan Robinson having a huge Game 5. Uh, Tyler Hero being able to make shots. Uh, Bam Adebayo being back and playing and being able to help anchor the defense. So what do you think about Game 6 tonight? Well, you had the combination of last game, like you said, Duncan Robinson going off, Jimmy Butler getting the help that he needed from one of his uh, sharpshooters, and it was just barely enough to scrape by. And we talk about this game six. I mean, the Heat are going to have to play extremely well, of course, to beat this Lakers team on any given night because they don't match up with them. You know, they match up with them as well as, you know, any team has this season. They've obviously pushed them farther than anyone else has. And the Heat, you know, they make a very solid case. Just don't let the Heat win game six. To, is it today? Tonight. Tonight. 6.30. That's, that's crazy that it's scheduled with the, with the NFL Sunday. You're going to have to choose between Kirk Cousins and Russell Wilson and LeBron James and Jimmy Butler. Yeah, that's a tough pick. Or you could put one on your laptop, one on your TV. That's what I'll probably be doing. <laughs> that's yeah, that's that's a fair point. But but yeah, Jimmy got the help that he needed from his supporting cast. Bam obviously is not one hundred percent. He doesn't have Drogic. Well, you look you look at you look at the Heat, 
everybody that played except for Andre Iguodala was in double figures. Everyone. You say Jay Crowder dropped in 11, Tyler Hero dropped in 12, Kendrick Nunn off the bench dropped in 14. Then you look at the Lakers, LeBron James with 40, kind of expected. (laughs) Uh, Anthony Davis with 28, Contavious Caldwell-Pope with 16, and nobody else in double figures. Yeah, no, the Heat got a better... I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you there. The supporting cast for the Heat is had performed better than the supporting cast for the Lakers and, yesterday. And here you go. Or the other day, excuse me. Kyle Kuzma, three of ten. Rajon Rondo, one of seven. Alex Caruso, one of three. Markeith Morris, zero oh for two. Danny Green, three of eight. Dwight Howard, zero oh for one. Why is Dwight Howard only taking one shot attempt? I don't know. I, I don't know. They just didn't get him working in the offense. Maybe he was scared. If he's going to be going 0 for 1 with uh, with two rebounds and a turnover, then they should just play JaVale instead of him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If his I mean, stat line, because it took me a minute to read that off to make sure I was getting that right. 0 for 1, made two free throws, two rebounds, and a turnover. Not a productive day for Dwight no. Howard. That is no. for certain. <laughs> no. It not and like you've said, not a very productive day for a lot of Lakers, but they were still they still only lost by three. And obviously that's because LeBron James, six of nine from three, fifteen of twenty one from the floor. Extremely effective night for him. Oh, of course. And Anthony Davis had a great had a great game as well. But that's what you're gonna get out of those two. Everyone knows that. The problem with this the problem with it is is that you're just not – I don't know. You're going to get that snipe from Jimmy Butler. I'm tired of people saying that Jimmy Butler cannot lead a team to a championship. This this Heat team definitely wins a championship a lot of years. And you're looking at that, and then you're looking at this Lakers team. I think this Lakers team is one of probably – truthfully, one of the best teams probably of all time. They're definitely in the top 10, top 15. This the Lakers, Lakers team? This one right here, yes. They are a great um, team. They are certainly the best LeBron team. <clears throat> I'd certainly consider them the best LeBron team that he's ever had. And you keep shaking your head at this. This is the best performing LeBron team. They went completely destroyed the Western Conference. That was stacked this year. And and if they win this series in six, it's pretty much handling the Heat better than anyone else could because the Heat ran through everyone in the East this year. I mean... Yeah, I. It's tough for me. It's tough for me to say this is the best LeBron team. How? It's the best player LeBron's ever played with, in Anthony Davis. It's the best player for sure. What team do you think is better but, though? But the, su- the supporting cast drops off. Yeah, it drops off. But the supporting he, he, cast drops off. He had a much better supporting cast pre-COVID. That's for sure. He had Avery Bradley still, who was putting in you know twenty-eight minutes a game starting for this team you know replace that with Danny Green and we certainly have a different I mean, that's roster. fair but at the same time that Cavs team in 16 was good the Cavs team in with 16 Kyrie was and not. Kevin Love the only team I will consider is maybe the second year the second year heat team which that's was Bosch Wade Mario Chalmers Bird, yeah, Birdman yeah Haslam and that's about that's about your team. That's the only one I'll take. I will not take the Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love 16 team that LeBron had to put on his back. I'm not taking that team. I'm sorry. 
I just don't know. I, I agree with the fact that AD is the is the best player that LeBron has played with, but but man. <laughs> no, it's it's certainly it's an interesting I mean it's an interesting conversation, but I do think this is LeBron's best team from a complete team standpoint. I think this is this is the best team from top. I wonder, to I wonder if 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 this is a top ten team all time. Well, you've got Caruso who puts in valuable minutes for this team. I'm just thinking of all time. That's a big <laughs> Oh, top 10 all time? Yeah. I would, I mean, there's not many teams that are going to be able to match up with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. You've seen it this year, and you're probably going to see it next year when he resigns, and then the year after that. I mean, we're probably already, are you still holding on hope that Anthony Davis is going elsewhere? Has he resigned? What do you mean, has he resigned? Answer the question. No. Okay. He so has there's not. still he has, hope that he goes somewhere else. He has to be a free agent. So there is hope that he goes somewhere else. Yes? No. Yes, there no. is. He signed with Rich Paul. Rich Paul's got all the guys going to the Lakers team. Over half the team is signed by him. That's It's a done deal pretty much. It's, it's inked before it's But it's, it's not, not a done deal. It's, it's not a done deal yet. It feels like it's more or less a done deal. I don't see... I don't see Anthony Davis taking his talents to play with anyone else because LeBron has taught him pretty much how to win a title. Yes. And the next step is going somewhere else and doing it on his own where he is the best player on the team. He'll be the best player on this team eventually. If he's if you don't want to already label him the best player. I mean, they they go one, hand in hand as the best player. Speaking of that, how well do you think he is going to play in game six tonight. He obviously a little bit banged up. I know he's listed as probable, but it seems like it seems like each one of at least the last three games, we've seen him down rolling on the floor with some kind of injury issue. Everyone's hurt at this point. Everyone's got some nagging Correct. injury. I Correct. Bet. But, but we've seen Anthony Davis down on the floor looking injured, having the Lakers have to call a timeout, get him out of the game, more than I feel like we've seen just about anybody else in this series down. And that's fine, but we've seen product productivity out of him when he's on the floor anyway so i don't expect to not see that out of him he's the first or second best player on the court anytime he's on the court pretty much i mean i mean that's he's going to produce when he's on the floor depends on how much is he going to drop 40 i doubt it but is he going to give you that 27 28 you know around the 30s more than likely and they should win this win this next game. Two more things that I'd like to talk to you about this series before we head on to break and discuss about the NFL. Do you think, I know you saw the video of Anthony Davis elbowing Jay Crowder in the face and they're coming up from the ground. Do you think there should have been some kind of punishment from the NBA towards Anthony Davis? Do you think they should have looked into it? It didn't sound like they've really even looked into it. I saw it in, in the sewer. You talked to me about it like minutes before the show. And I look at it, and I said, yeah, I, I did miss that. I did not notice that during the game. And it does— It's giving it, me some, some Draymond Green kind—not as not obviously as bad and as blatant as Draymond Green. That's why you brought up 2016. That's why you brought up the Cavs team. So it's giving me, it's giving me a little bit of, of that kind of feeling when he did end up getting suspended and missing an NBA Finals game. In 2016? Yes, he did. Draymond Green did. Game five. So— I mean, do you think that there should they should have looked into it? Think they should think that that was worthy of any kind of punishment? Because it was a pretty clear elbow, forearm to the face, completely unnecessary, not in the play at all, really. It's it is difficult, and it certainly was a strike, and they could 
you know, penalize him accordingly. And it could, and if you were to go back, you know, historically, you know, they did give it, they did suspend Draymond for throwing a sort of similar strike mm-hmm. in its own right. So you, you could certainly suspend him. You, you could take that action or fine him, whichever they decide to do. Or you could not. Or you could not. Which is the benefit of playing with LeBron James, isn't it? I guess so. Mm-hmm. I guess so. I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's a tough decision. It's a tough decision. You got to take it a case by case basis. So wait, before we go, go ahead. That, yeah, one more question. And uh, this has been discussed pretty heavily in the national media and the local media and whatever. Uh, in the recent days since Game Five of the NBA Finals, did, what do you think of LeBron's decision to kick it to Danny Green for that three at the end of the game? Because this has been discussed a lot. There's a lot of different opinions out there. A lot of it is, you know, Kobe or Michael Jordan wouldn't have or would have taken that shot instead of kicking it. There's a lot of, you know, he made the right decision by kicking it, and Danny Green should have made the shot. Like, what do you think? What's your opinion on this? Because there's a lot of conflicting opinions. I had a conversation with someone last night, and. They told me that the role players for LeBron James are under more pressure than role players for most players. I would have to agree with that. I, After thinking about it, the role players do take a lot of the blame for LeBron when there there is losing because LeBron usually plays well. And it does kind of create a him versus them mentality, and it does kind of split the team up. Do I think the play by LeBron was bad? Absolutely not. I mean, Danny Green was wide open. He just has to hit the shot. And we're and, not having this conversation. And we, and we are not having this conversation. I think it was a pretty good play by LeBron. Would would a lot of players have shot the ball? More than likely, or at but least you saw it with players. you saw it with you mean you saw it with Kobe when he was playing. I think it was it was a game against the Bulls where he took it. It was looked like the same exact shot, and it got stuffed. It got stuffed. <laughs> are you talking about the one on Christmas? Yes. Yeah, the one over uh, when he tried to shoot it over Joakim Noah and Lou Aldang yes, and, and Derrick Rose. Yes. And yes. Taj Gibson. Yes. <laughs> and it got blocked. <laughs> So that's the kind of thing, and and I was thinking of it, and Jordan kicked to Steve Kerr, Jordan kicked to John Paxson. Those Kobe guys needed those Derek guys, Fisher for point four. Those guys knocked down the shot. You know, Kyrie Irving knocked down a big shot in 2016. Yeah, no, no, this is <laughs> going to say I don't think it was a bad play by LeBron to not take that shot. I totally agree. Yeah, I granted. He definitely could have tried to get a foul called because the odds of a foul being called there are probably pretty high with the way that everybody was in the air around him. Then again, I could see them not calling a foul just because of how what the situation in the game was. But, I mean, I, I would agree with you in saying I don't think it was a bad play. I think Danny Green just needs to hit the open shot or step in, take an easier shot because he had plenty of room well, <laughs> and I'm... there was nobody around him. Well, I am glad that we both agree. We are going to take a short break, and when we come back, we are going to discuss the NFL and make our picks for this week's matchup. You're listening to KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. Now that I've gotten on the Internet, I'd rather be on my computer than doing just about anything. It's really cool. The Internet gave us a whole world of exciting new possibilities. So I guess this is a story of how it changed our lives. lives. Change your life. Change the way you do the Internet. Go like KCOU on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at KCOU and on Instagram at KCOU881. Stay up to date on the latest online content, events, giveaways, and more. You may be right. I think we're being followed now. Don't look. Just play cool. So what are you waiting for, young keyboard warrior? The wonderful world of KCOU is just one click away.
was your day? Fine. Did you learn anything new? No. Anything I should know? No. Is everything okay? Yeah. Sometimes it can be hard to connect with teens. Use Connect With Me activity cards to deepen your conversations. Visit health.mo.gov connect to access these free cards and other resources. A message from the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services. And we are back. You are listening to KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. And right now we are going to do our NFL examination, if you will, looking at the matchups this week and saying who we think is going to win each one of them. Last week, I won going 11-5 and on my picks. Congratulations. Ethan went 10-6. and This is including the Thursday night matchup. Hey, so that means I think we are only one game apart because I think I went two games ahead of you last week, and then you are two games ahead of you two weeks ago, and then you went one game ahead of me last week. Yes, sir. Yeah, you're winning slightly. So by one game over the past two weeks, good work. Good work last week. It was an impressive. What did you say, 11-5? and Yeah, I yeah that's pretty solid. That's good work. Yeah, I wish I would have picked the Bears on Thursday, but, you know, it, it is what it is. It is. And, it, yeah, it's all right. No, that's, that's, still a, that's still a very productive week for you same on the with, pick front. The same with you, sir. Uh, you ready to get into this well, week, though? Yeah, let's talk about the Buccaneers and the Bears on, on Thursday night first before we yeah, obviously yeah, get into uh, this week's picks. So the Bears were able to take down the Bucs 19-20 uh, at Soldier Field. Uh, Tom Brady... Not able to lead a game-winning drive for what feels like once in his career. Finally, he wasn't able to lead a game-winning drive as time expires because that's kind of his signature move. Uh, a very solid win, I'd say. I'd say by by Chicago. A lot of people, you know, have been doubting them so far this season. They've beaten three teams who are not the best teams. You know, the Falcons have talent, but we know what they aren't. They aren't able to. Uh, they aren't able to really pull out games. The Giants are not a good football team this year, and the Lions also have talent. But and you could you could make a very strong case that the Lions should have beaten that game. And then the Bears obviously lost to the Colts last week, but beating the Buccaneers this week is is probably the best team that they've beaten so far this season. Would you agree? Yes. And and they look pretty strong. They they scored 14 points in the last two minutes of the first half and really never looked back. That point in time, you know, they they found their stride then, and they were able to stop the slow down the Buccaneers in the second half, and and uh, come away with a, a big stop on fourth down on a Tom Brady drive. Anything you saw from this game? One thing I noticed from the game in particular was just how similar that this Bears team looks to like the mid 2010s of the Chiefs. You know, very good defense, very um, conservative play calling for your quarterback who doesn't have the greatest arm in the world. And utilizing the run game and controlling the game slash clock, it's it's very important for this Bears team, and they've done a great job thus far. So that's that's about all I took from. Say, I was happy with it this week. I, I was I was quite happy with the way things went this week. Are you ready to get into the picks, sir? Uh, yes. Let's get into the picks, sir. The let's start right away. Noon starts here in thirteen minutes. The three and one Rams and the one and three Washington football team. I've got to go with the Rams. I picked them to win the division. They're looking great so far, led by Jared Goff and Sean McVay. Uh, I'm going to agree with you. <laughs> I'm going to agree with you. I think that's an easy pick this week. Uh, 
the 1-2-1 and one Eagles and the 3-0 and o Steelers. Steelers back in action, of course, after that COVID break. They had to cancel a game due to the way that the Titans uh, have been have been moving throughout their COVID problems that they're having. So the Steelers back in action at 3-0. and o. I will take the Eagles in this game. The Steelers finally... Finally, take a take a L and move to three and one. There you go. Uh, then we've got. Who'd you pick? I'll take the Steelers. Okay, as well. okay. Then we got the two and two Cardinals and the zero and four Jets. I picked the Eagles. I picked the Eagles. You picked the Eagles. Yes. I'm picking the Steelers. Okay, okay. Just making sure. I'm picking the Steelers. Okay, I am going to pick the New York Jets. They're getting Le'Veon Bell back really? this week. Really? Yes. Sam Darnold is out this week. Well, Le'Veon Bell is going to have a big day now, isn't he? I'm taking the Cardinals at 2 and 2. They're going to move to 3 and 2 over 500. Big game for you, the Las Vegas Raiders and the Kansas City Chiefs from Arrowhead. I've got the Chiefs winning this game obviously. They can't handle the Chiefs firepower firepower, excuse me. Who are you picking? I'm going to agree with you. I wanted to take the Raiders. I'm going to agree with you. Uh, I think the Raiders weren't able to handle the Bills, so they won't be able to handle the Chiefs. Uh, The 1-3 and Jaguars and the still winless Texans. This is a one, not only just a gross matchup, but a hard matchup to predict, and I will pick the Jacksonville Jaguars. I see the Jaguars taking this game. I am once again going to take Deshaun Watson and the Texans. I keep doing it. I oh, keep it's picking an, them. It's your, it's your. It's my Falcons. Falcons. Yes, I'm going to keep picking them. I the like Texans it. are going right. to get their first one of the season. The one, two, and one Bengals, Joe Burrow, and the three and one Ravens. I've got, I've got Lamar winning this game. I, I do. Yeah, I do too. I just think they're too good for the Bengals. The Bengals are still a rebuilding football team. And then we've got the Panthers at two and two, traveling to Georgia to play the Atlanta Falcons. You picking them? The Falcons get their first win. I'll take the Panthers then. You know, I'm going to pick against you if you're taking the Falcons because it seems like a smart option. The one and three Dolphins taking on the two and two 49ers from Santa Clara. Hmm, this feels like a trap game for the for the Niners. We said that last week, and you were right. So (laughs) yeah, but I'll take the Niners in uh, San Francisco. I'm going to keep agreeing with you. I'm going to pick the Niners as well. Yeah, can, you, can you stop? No, here, I'll let you pick this next one. The Giants still winless traveling to Jerry World to play the Dallas Cowboys, who are at 1-3 this year. Cowboys. Cowboys. I will also pick the Cowboys. I think they certainly need to bounce back. They cannot start this year off 1-4. and 3-1 and one Colts in Cleveland to take on the 3-1 and one Browns. Browns coming off a big win over Dallas. Colts coming off a nice win over Chicago. Who who are you picking in this game? This is a tough game. This is game. really hard. This is a tough game. This is a tough game to pick. I'm going to go with the Indianapolis Colts. I think they control the lines too well. And I was Browns... going to take the Colts, but I'll take the Browns now because you took the Colts. Yeah, no, it's fair. I was I was waiting for you to I was waiting for you to pick. I was going to take the Colts. I agree with what you said about their defense, but uh, I suppose I'll take the Browns. Uh Heep Odell, Jarvis Landry, hot Kareem Hunt's going to have a big day, obviously, with Nick Chubb out. We'll see what happens. Sunday night football. The Vikings taking on the Seahawks from CenturyLink. This is this is a fun game. I, I think Kirk has a chance of winning this one, but I do have to go with the Seahawks because I am, you know, competing against you. I will go with the Seahawks. I, I'm going to take the Seahawks as well. Broncos. I, I, we know I don't believe in uh, Kirk Cousins. Broncos and Patriots are not playing this week. 
Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry. The Chargers and the Saints from the Superdome, Justin Herbert and Drew Brees. I I will go with the Saints and you know, they're playing Michael Thomas, which I do I'm still gonna need to make. I'm going to take the Saints, too. Which I, oh, really? Oh, my gosh. So, I had similar picks this week. I would say these— Wait. The, Tuesday, we got the 4-0 Bills and the 3-0 Titans. Give me give me the Bills. They haven't had to deal with as much. Stop it. Stop I'm picking just saying, who I'm going to pick. I'm just saying I got to pick and the And then Bills. next weekend, on Saturday, I believe, we have the 4-0 Bills and the 4-0 Chiefs because we don't have a Thursday night game this week because that game got pushed back. Go ahead and pick the Bills. I'll pick the Chiefs in that matchup. Fine. I will take the Bills. But that is a fun Saturday night game. That is... That I think it's Saturday sure. night, right? Well, it's either Saturday day. If, well, okay. if it's Saturday night, you're going to have to pick between the Bills and the Chiefs or or Georgia and, and Alabama at 7 o'clock. That's a, that's, a, that's, a fun, that's a fun thing to choose from. Also, good fights on... Uh, on next weekend as well, you've got uh, Lomachenko fighting. But let's get into let's get into our moments of the week. Would you like to start us off? My moment of the week is going to be Jimmy Butler playing forty seven minutes and twelve seconds of Game Five and getting the victory. The man looked exhausted in that the image. final minute in the press conference. He limped out of the press conference, obviously being sore from playing basically an entire basketball game against LeBron James. And he matched up with LeBron for a good amount of the game as well. So hats off to Jimmy for uh, for uh, playing basically that whole game. No one can question his heart anymore after this series. He, is a, he just wants to win. Yeah, I would, I would have to agree. Incredible series and just bubble performance from Mr. Jimmy Butler. And then for mine, it had to be that Buckley KO yesterday. If you missed it, just look up Buckley KO UFC. He gets his foot grabbed while throwing a kick at the at his opponent's head, then jumps off the canvas with his planted leg and just kick up kicks him in the face, knocks him clean out. One of the best finishes, if not the best in UFC history. Just an incredible finish by him. And he may become a star. Ethan, you're upset of the week, sir. My upset of the week, I'm going to take Kentucky over the University of Tennessee wow. in football this week. Wow, you know, great pick, great pick. My upset pick is the UFC main event next week. Chan Sung Jung, also known as the Korean Zombie, will defeat Brian Ortega. Ortega has not fought in a long time. Last two years, he has been inactive after his loss to Max Holloway. It seems like that may have been a been a deteriorating loss for him as he stopped remaining active i see him coming back and struggling against the korean zombie who's much more active than he is and what is your what to watch for for next week my what to watch for next week is it's gonna have to be georgia and alabama it's gonna have to be it's the biggest college, it's arguably the biggest college football game of the season Oh, yeah, I would certainly have of to the regular that. season before we get to bowl season before we get to college football playoff time Number two and number three doesn't get better than that. Of course. And for my moment or my thing to watch for this week is heavyweight Cyril Gann in the UFC. 
I've considered him on his on this show to be a future heavyweight contender for the UFC title in that division, and he is undefeated going up against a 17 and three fighter in the co-main event. To that Chan Sung Jung fight and Brian Ortega, going to be an interesting fight, and I recommend you watching that if you have the chance with the packed Saturday night schedule. It seems like, but that'll do it all for your weekly walkthrough. I'm your host, Nick Callen, alongside me, Ethan Solomon. We hope you had a great walk with us this morning. Hope you enjoy your NFL Sunday and your next week in sports. Same time, same